All right, y'all. Welcome back to Adorn Podcast. We're on episode 31, and we're kicking off a new series about marriage. Hi, friends, and welcome to the Adorned Podcast. We're your hosts, Erin and Casey. We would love for you to come join us each week as we discuss what it means to be made beautiful by God's Word. Whether you are a college student walking to class, a mom folding laundry during nap time, or a boss babe sitting in rush hour traffic, we hope that we can encourage and inspire you to pursue a deeper understanding of the Bible. So marriage, what do you think about marriage, Erin? I feel like I have to sing a song. Love and marriage. (laughs) Again with the singing. (laughs) Well, I thought it was really interesting that when we were doing the, um, when we asked people for the question and answers, the episode that came out last week, a lot of people's questions were about marriage. Yeah. And I thought that was um, really interesting because one of my biggest passions besides biblical literacy and theology and that is, is marriage. Mm -hmm. I think uh, marriage is such a gift from God and a blessing and that he has a, a way for us to walk in that blessing that glorifies him most and brings us the most joy. And so I love any chance to talk about it. Mm-hmm. So I get all excited. Yeah. So we hit complementarianism a little bit mm-hmm. on last week's episode. I feel like we're, we'll talk about that a little bit more, but we're going to hit more of just the what is marriage side mm-hmm. and not so much the different roles necessarily, but more just what is marriage? Mm-hmm. What does God say? that marriage is and what's the purpose and what's the purpose Mm -hmm. yeah as Hannah mentioned and then we also talked about it some on Rocky's episode too but this is actually a really good transition from our community series because marriage is another beautiful picture of community Mm -hmm. I mean who better to be in community with than your husband right right I mean so yeah, um, so we're going to define marriage a little bit for you. Good old R.C. Sproul, I liked his definition. He says, marriage is to be an exclusive relationship between one man and one woman, wherein the two become one flesh, being unified physically, emotionally, intellectually, and spiritually. It is intended to last for life. The union is secured by a sacred vow, covenant, and consummated by physical union. I liked that. It's a lot, a lot of words, but... And basically, if we look at Tim Keller's definition, it's basically the same. Just, <laughs> just a, shorter. Fewer, a little bit fewer <laughs> words. Not as wordy. <laughs> uh, he says it's a permanent, exclusive, public. I think all of these words are key. Since he only uses a few words, we've got to hear what they really are. So permanent, exclusive, public, legal commitment to share every part of your life with somebody. That's good. And then Piper says, marriage is God's showcase of covenant-keeping grace. These are all so good. Like, I want to break them all down and explain them all. Because they're they're saying the same thing, but in different ways. And they're highlighting different things about marriage. And I like how Piper says that it's God's showcase. And I like how he talks about this covenant-keeping grace. Mm -hmm. And how those are something that is so essential to marriage is grace. And the fact that it's covenant-keeping and... I just, I, I like it. I like it. So when we say covenant, what is a covenant? And how is it different than in our, in our society today, we hear a lot about like contracts. Mm-hmm. How's a covenant and a contract different? So 
we can kind of both break this one down. Yeah. To me, what the first thing that comes to mind when I think contract is like, if I'm going to put in my part of the contract, you have to fulfill your part of the contract. Right. And if you don't, then it's null and void and I don't mm-hmm. have to do it anymore. Exactly. And I think that's how most people view marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, sadly, today is that, you know, when I get married, I vow these things to you and you vow these things to me. But if you slip up at all, then sorry, I don't have to do it anymore. Mm-hmm. And um, how easy of a of an escape that is or an easy exit that we can make that be versus a covenant where we see, um, I wish we could go into all the depths of a covenant, but oh, that I would know. take series and series mm-hmm. on this episode. But for the sake of this episode, when I think of a covenant, I think of the fact that, um, the one that our covenant is with, with God, like that there is no breaking that covenant mm-hmm. that we have a covenant represent re- representative representative. <laughs> I think it's like the fourth episode in a row where I've totally made up a word. Hey, so that's okay. <laughs> Only smart people make up words, Erin. Okay, Come on. I'll take it. <laughs> um, but that a covenant is not broken like a contract is. It's not, um, it's not, how, it's how would you? promise. Yes. I think, I think one of the most simple ways I think of it is that it's a promise. Mm-hmm. Like, and it doesn't, like, if I'm going to make a promise to you, it doesn't matter what you do. Hmm. I've made that promise and I'm going to keep that promise. It's not contingent on your actions. Yeah. It's just simply contingent on the fact that I made a promise right. and I'm going to keep it. And I think it does when we hear covenant, it, like Aaron was saying, it points us back to the Bible and to God's covenant with us. God's not going to break his His promise, his covenant that he's made with us. He sent Jesus to die on the cross to cover our sins. And like there's, there's no no breaking that covenant. Mm -hmm. And in Hebrews eight, it's a good place um, that talks about the new covenant. Um, Basically all of Hebrews eight. So I'm not going to read it, but if you want to go and read that, you can read more about like our new covenant and how God sent Jesus and basically what I just said. So when we're talking about a marriage, like um, in the Christian um, world, because I mean, there are secular marriages Mm -hmm. and, um, and I think that that, people that enter marriages that are not believers, I think that it's different Mm -hmm. um, because it's not a picture of that covenant that God's made with us to them. Like they don't see that. They Mm -hmm. don't know about that. They don't Mm -hmm. believe in that. So I think it's different for them. But for us as believers, when we enter into a marriage, it is not just with us, but it's with God and it's a covenant. It's Mm -hmm. not a contract. Yeah, I think that's a really good point and a really good um, thing to remember is that it's not just a covenant between you and your spouse. Right. It's a covenant with God right. and that you're you're committing to God to be with that mm-hmm. person for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. And you're not just committing to that person, but mm-hmm. you're committing that um, before the Lord. I think yeah. that's a really good point. Yeah. So where do we, um, you mentioned Hebrews 8, but where else do we see this idea of marriage from in, in scripture? Because I think we have this idea of marriage that we've grown up with and this American dream and all of this, but where do we see it actually in scripture defining what a marriage should be and why we even get married? So I think there's a few good places. One of the first places I think a lot of our minds go to is Song of Solomon. Mm -hmm. And when we hear that, a lot of times we think, oh, like it's all about like sex and intimacy, but it's actually not. If you, if you read it and read some commentaries on it and really study it, it's not just about that. But one of the reasons I think we can look at this book of the Bible and, um, 
really see it as as a good picture of marriage and relationships is because of kind of where it came from. Some sources believe that Solomon's the one that wrote it. Some people think that it was just talking about him and his relationship. Some people think it was like a letter to him. But if we think about it as being either what his life looked like, his relationship with his bride, or him writing it, which again would be his relationship with his bride. Um, I feel like we can look at this as a good example because of his wisdom. Like Solomon had a God-given wisdom. Mm -hmm. And so if you're wise, if if you have this wisdom that's given to you by God, then when you enter into a relationship with someone, I think you're gonna approach it with that wisdom, mm-hmm. you know, so he's, he's approaching it from a place of kind of knowing how he should approach this relationship. Mm-hmm. And he did some really dumb things later on. He wasn't perfect by any means, but I think that we can really look to him and his wisdom and how he, um, pursued his bride, how he, you know, I mean, there is the physical aspect of it, how they stayed in this relationship, like for the long haul, how mm-hmm. they fought. Um, there was even, there was conflict and the way they handled that conflict is just a beautiful picture. And then towards the end, of the book they even reach back to mentor younger couples mm. younger people which um, I know is a passion of Aaron's yeah. and and that's a beautiful picture too how you can do this even in your marriage mm-hmm. which I think about a lot as Jonathan and I have been married longer and longer it's so cool for these high school girls to come up to me mm-hmm. that are watching me on social media um, and they're like we just love watching you and Jonathan and your marriage and Mm -hmm. how you love each other and how kind he is to you and just all of these things. It's really neat to see that. And I don't take that lightly. Like I see that and I'm like, I want to mentor these girls. So someday they can have Mm -hmm. a very Christ centered relationship, dating relationship, you know, um, engagement, and then hopefully marriage. Like Mm -hmm. I want to be able to show them, a biblical picture of marriage. So I think Song of Solomon is a wonderful place to read. Like I said, it's helpful if you have a commentary or um, a book of some sort to kind of help you walk through yeah, that because yeah. there's a lot of like strange imagery and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, Matt Chandler's Mingling of Souls is a really, really good book. And he just really walks through the book of Song of Solomon and he makes it easy to understand some of the kind of weird terms mm-hmm. like flocks of goat's hair yeah. <laughs> and stuff like that. I mean, he's funny too. I mean, it's Matt Chandler, so he's hilarious, but it's a really good book. So where else um, do we see marriage talked about in scripture? I think one of the first things that comes to mind is if we look all the way back to um, creation and we see uh, when God created Adam and uh, Crystal talked about this on her episode a few weeks ago of how God created and he said it was good. He created this and he said it was good. He created this and he said it was good. And then he created Adam and it's the first time we hear God say, and it was not good. He says he created Adam and it was not good for him to be alone, which I just love that because one, I hate being alone. So I'm really glad that God noticed that it was not good for him to be alone because <laughs> I'm like, oh, I don't want to be alone either. So um, I think that's that's a really good um, first time we ever see the uh, even idea of marriage mm-hmm. is that, okay, it's not good for him to be alone. He yeah. needs a helpmate. He needs someone with him. And so we see... Um, then God, you know, puts Adam to sleep and creates Eve. And, and we go on to see that um, he did not create children at that time, which I think is really interesting and a good point that I had never really thought about yeah. before is that, you know, God created Adam and he said it's not good for him to be alone. So he gave him Eve. And, and then he says children. it was good. Yeah. 
He does yeah. tell them to be fruitful and multiply. Right. Yes, right. absolutely. But he could have just as easily given them three kids at the same time. But mm-hmm. he didn't do that. He created a marriage mm-hmm. with the intent for a family. Yes. Mm-hmm. So obviously there's nothing wrong with that. That's a beautiful right. thing. And right. that is biblical, obviously. <laughs> but for the sake of what we're talking about right now, I just found it so fascinating that God created a marriage, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is so cool (laughs) yeah and matt actually breaks that down more so when crystal said that a few weeks ago Mm -hmm. i was like i don't think i've ever heard that before Mm -hmm. and then when i was reading mingling of souls matt was talking about it and i was like oh i guess i have heard it before (laughs) because i've been uh, all of his mingling of soul stuff like we've been to the conference and listened Mm -hmm. to sermons so i know i've heard him say it before but for some reason that never stuck until crystal said it a few weeks ago and i was like wow like and then he talks about and i went back to read in the Bible to make sure this was accurate (laughs) about how like Adam went and searched through the garden and named all the animals and then came back and it was like, no, like this is what you need. Mm -hmm. It's not these animals. They're not going to fulfill this. This is what you need. And God gave him a woman. And that's so cool. Like so cool. So marriage is at the, you know, very beginning of the story. And it was very important as it should be now. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Soapbox. <laughs> uh, where else? Where else do we see this? You got some New Testament stuff for us. I do. So we um, we read this passage on our episode about community um, as the body of Christ, mm-hmm. and we looked at it as comparing the body of Christ to marriage. So now I want to flip flop it a little bit and compare marriage to the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. And we're going to look at how the gospel plays into marriage. So I'm going to read, um, it's Ephesians five twenty two through 33. It says, wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up up for her that he might sanctify her having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word oh yeah with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish in the same way husbands should love their wives as they love their own body as their own bodies he who loves his wife loves himself For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. Because we are members of his body, therefore a man should leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So Erin mentioned a few weeks ago that what stands out to her about that passage is where Paul says, and this is, this mystery is profound. Mm -hmm. And Matt Chandler talks about that in Mingling of Souls. He's like, marriage is a profound mystery. Like it's not meant for us to completely figure out. We're never going to be able to perfectly see how the gospel and marriage aligns. Like, I mean, we're just not because... God is mysterious. Mm-hmm. We talked about that before. Like mm-hmm. there are things about God. He's incomprehensible. Like there are things about God that we're never going to fully understand. Um, but this is one of those things where you just kind of have to trust. Like he says, but this is what I'm telling you. Mm-hmm. It is. It's a picture of Christ in the church. Marriage is a picture of Christ in the church, the husband and um, his bride and Christ and his bride. And so, and it really is just such a beautiful picture of this um love and respect 
respect, you know, the husband loving his wife and the wife respecting her husband, um, just as we are to respect Christ mm-hmm. as the body of Christ. Yeah, that's good. So, yeah, I love that. I think there's another way, too, that we can find more passages on marriage in, in the Bible. I think a lot of times we like we want it to say the word marriage or we want it to give us exact um, practical advice. Here's the three steps I need to take. And, um, but sometimes I think we need to pull back a little bit and realize that, like we're saying, a community, when we're, our marriage is one form of community. Mm-hmm. And we can see that when we say, um, in if we're going to look at Matthew 26, no, 22, verse 37 to 39, he says, um, the disciples are asking him, like, well, what is the greatest commandment? What is the greatest, what is the most important thing? And in, um, starting in 37, he says, and he said to him, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And a second is like it. You should love your neighbor as yourself. And who is your closest neighbor? Your husband. Your husband. <laughs> and so anytime yeah. we he- hear anything about loving your mm-hmm. neighbor or um, how to walk out this whole Christian life thing, it applies to marriage. Mm-hmm. It might not specifically say the word marriage, but it applies to marriage. And I think if we are talking about Ephesians 5, a good place to go back a little bit, as we're talking about growing in biblical literacy, we want to look at the f- beginning of that chapter. And even before that, we want to look at the chapter before it and the whole book. But if we just go back one chapter and l- read chapter 4, where it says, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. And we could go on and on and on. But all of those things, you might not have directly read Mm -hmm. those thinking of marriage. But if you're looking for scripture and you're like, okay, God, how can I, you know, um, how can I do something that will better my marriage? How can I grow my marriage? How can I, you know, just be focused on loving my husband well? Okay, here's some things you could do. You could be a little more humble. You could stop thinking about yourself so much. You could be a little more gentle in the way you approach your husband. You could have a little more patience with things Ouch, not going stop, exactly how stop you Stop hurting. <laughs> and then the best one, you can bear with one another in love. Goodness I mean, gracious. there's all these things that are so applicable to our marriage, but I don't think we necessarily read yeah. them through that lens. But when we hear, like Jesus said, that the most important commandment is to love God. And then the second is like it to love one another, to love your neighbor. And now your spouse is your closest neighbor. I mean, literally closest neighbor, mm-hmm. then we can realize all these things are applying to marriage and, and can encourage us and guide us into have a marriage that is glorifying to God and brings joy to our mm-hmm. lives and is an example and puts the gospel on display for others. Yeah, golly, I think about that and I'm just like, when you break it down and you think about how many times have we had conversations about how we can love other people? Mm -hmm. Like, what does it look like to speak the truth in love? What does it look like to, you know, love the person that's hurting, the person that's suffering? What Mm -hmm. does it look like to um, hold someone accountable in love? All of these things, I feel like we've been talking about love a lot, but I never think about like, or I rarely sit mm-hmm. down and think about how can I love my husband better? Right. I'm focused on all these other people yeah. that I'm not married to, that I'm not in covenant with. Right. But what about that guy that I'm in covenant with? Yeah. Like, you know, the one that put the ring on my finger, <laughs> you know, that one that yeah. 
like I live with. Right. What about him? I think that's wow. a really good point because we need to make sure, and this is something that gets real blurry after you have kids, but I think we need to make sure that we remember our God-given order and priority. Is that mm-hmm. like it says to love God first and then your spouse has to come next. Like we have this culture where it's driven by your kids' success. What sports are your kids in? What are your kids doing? How are they doing in school? Making sure your kids get enough healthy food, but enough outdoor time, not too much screen time. So many things that are consuming us about raising our children. And not that those things are bad in and of themselves, but a lot of times they they take that place and they shift the order that God has created where it should be God, husband, kids. And we, we tend to go God, kids, husband, or I mean, to be honest, maybe sometimes we even go kids, God, husband. Yeah, yeah. And um, that is a recipe for disaster without being too aggressive. But if we want to live in the blessing that God has given us, like there is an order for a reason and it is for our good and for his glory. And so we have to be intentional about that because if you're not intentional about keeping those priorities, then it's going to naturally shift away from that. And Mm -hmm. your husband is going to get put to the back burner. And this is going to be different for every marriage and it's going to look different. It's going to, like practically just be different. But I think one thing that is super helpful is just having that communication. Mm -hmm. And even if it's a season where you are swamped with kids or you are in a situation where it's just not physically capable to put your husband first, just having that conversation like, hey, I know that right now I am struggling at loving you well and the kids, I'm cleaning their poop out of the bathtub right now, but I just want you to know that I love you and my heart, you are first. Yeah, And it might not feel like it but in this season I need you to know that you are first Mm -hmm. and it might not look like that right now but I'm gonna work on it you know Mm -hmm. so I think it's really just having that communication and one of my favorite things from mingling of souls and Taylor and I say this to each other all the time I forget what the actual word is maybe you remember but it's when (laughs) he says the word means I'm not going anywhere and he says that he says that to Lauren Mm -hmm. and Taylor and I have started doing that ever since we went to that conference like if he's had a rough shift at work Mm -hmm. and he just needs to sleep and I'm like frustrated I'll like look at him and be like okay I'm not going anywhere Mm -hmm. and it's just like I'm not going anywhere four words Mm -hmm. but it's just something reminding you this is the covenant and I I don't feel like I'm doing it well right now but I'm not going anywhere and you're not going anywhere and and there's just something about that security that Mm -hmm. helps you then realign those priorities yeah I think that's good and I think when we're talking about priorities it's important to remember that yes our spouse is super important and we should definitely put them before our children. But I think sometimes we can swing the other direction and we can, you know, kind of put them on a pedestal Mm -hmm. and we need to remember that they are not God. And, um, that's not fair to them because they aren't, and they don't complete you. They aren't going to fill the void that you're looking to fill. If you've Feel like if you feel like there's a void inside of you, then it's God that's going to fill that. It's not your spouse. And I think sometimes we expect them to fill that. And we, you know, the romantics of us out there, you know, have heard the term grow. We've grown up hearing the term. You've got to find who's going to complete you or, oh, they complete me Mm -hmm. or find the one and all, all of these things. And I think it's a hard thing to grasp because we do believe that God's sovereign. And once again, a mingling of souls, Matt touches on this some, but God's completely sovereign in space and time. And so 
in a way that makes you think that, yes, like there is one person for you because that's the one person that God Mm -hmm. sovereignly put into your life. Um, But at the same time, they are that one person because that is who God put in your life and because you are in covenant with them. Like they're not that one person because they complete you. Mm -hmm. Because if you think of it like that, you're going to con you could constantly be saying, well, maybe I picked the wrong person. Maybe he wasn't the one. Every time he messes up, it can be this, you know, this internal struggle, but you have to remember like they are the one because they are the one you made the promise to. Mm -hmm. They are the one that God sovereignly put in your life and they are not going to complete you. They are not your God. They're not going to fill this void in side of you, but they are the one that you're living in covenant with. They're the one that you're doing life with. Um, they're the one that, um, you should offer grace to They're, I mean, so much about marriage. Um, there's, there's joy there. I mean, I can, I can list so many things that so many benefits and so many things that marriage produces in our lives. But it is not for the purpose of completing us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's not the purpose of the for the purpose of filling a void that God should be filling. It's good. That's yeah. a good reminder. Speaking of purposes, if you could say like what do you think is the number one purpose? Or you could you could do two if you want. Or like you're saying, the benefits, like what are what are some that come to mind? Um, I would say the primary purpose is for our joy and God's glory. Mm. And I feel like I say that almost every episode Mm -hmm. about whatever we're talking about being Mm -hmm. for God's glory. But if you look at scripture, that's, that's why we're here. Right. Right. (laughs) That's our sole purpose of being here. So therefore anything we do is Mm -hmm. to bring God glory. But I also think it's, it's for joy too, for our joy. Like marriage is fun and exciting and it just gets better. Mm -hmm. Like we talk about that all the time. We're like, how in the world can it get better from here? Because it's better from yesterday. Like it just gets better. And yes, we go through hard times, but those hard times make the good times even sweeter. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it's just having that gift, like Aaron said, of someone to do life with. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's, there's so much joy. What about you? What would you say? So I think I agree hundred percent. Y'all know my love and passion for marriage and, um, I have an incredible husband, so I, I do feel very blessed by that. And I think you're absolutely right. I think for our joy and for his glory. And I think there's a lot of times this, this kind of idea, even within Christian culture of that, um, it's kind of a duty, you mm-hmm. know, or mm-hmm. it's a, all right, well, I committed to this. I guess I'll do it. It's a act of obedience, maybe. And there are days where it's going to feel like a duty and an act of obedience. But at the same time, I think um, this is a gift from the Lord and he He does delight in giving us good gifts. And it mm-hmm. says, you know, every good and perfect gift is from above and that um, that it's okay to have a happy marriage. Yes. And it's okay yes. to be joyful about it. There's this kind of idea that we have to keep it hush hush. Mm-hmm. Like we don't want to be mm-hmm. proud. And obviously yeah. we don't want to be proud because yeah. it's a gift from God. But if we keep that in mind, then I think it's, it is okay mm-hmm. to say, you know, look at how glorifying this is to God for us to walk in covenant together and find joy in that. And Anyways, we'll go into that a little bit more mm-hmm. next week's episode, which is going to be really fun. But um, I think another thing, and this is going to sound negative, but I don't mean it negative in any way, that I think another purpose is sanctification. Oh, and I absolutely. would say the same thing about motherhood, <laughs> yes. is that anytime you are in close covenant or close community with other sinners, there's a refining process mm-hmm. that's going to go on. And like we've talked about before, that sanctification is... Um, 
a good thing, but a hard thing. And it is transforming us one degree of glory to the next to be more like Jesus. And sometimes that transformation is hard, is messy, is ugly, is um, complicated. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's, it's a beautiful thing. And it's just a wonderful thing for us to look back on um, and Taylor and I do this from time to time, like look back on the last year or the last five years and say like, wow, look at where we are from where we were. Mm-hmm. And, and like you're saying that, that love, we were just talking about this the other night, like Taylor. So we were started dating really young, just like Casey and Jonathan. And he told me he loved me at our homecoming dance senior year. And we had been, I don't know, together for not very long. Obviously it was homecoming of senior year, but, um, <laughs> we look back and I was like, I, I think it's so funny that you told me you loved me. And he's like, well, I loved you at that point, but I didn't realize the potential of the love. He's like, it was like, it, I did love you in what I knew of love. Right. But the more that we've grown and through the hardships and through the sanctification and through the suffering and through the wonderful times and the blessings that that love didn't just get wider, but it got so much deeper. Mm-hmm. And that now when he, he's like, now when I say I love you, like there's so much depth to it because of the journey that God has put us on and the covenant that we have with one another, it just has such a, a different meaning. So yes, I agree. Joy, glory, and mm-hmm. sanctification are yes. the three that I think of. I heard someone this week, they were talking about sanctification and a few dif- a few different things stood out to me. One was that just remembering that sanctification is a gift mm-hmm. and that goes with the fact that marriage is a gift. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that's important to remember that when we're going through those times of sanctification, uh-huh. like it's hard in the moment, but just to think of it as a gift, um, Reminds me of the verse in James about considering all yes. suffering pure joy. Rocky just read it on um, her episode, but it's kind of like that. You know, those times are going to, they're going to refine you. And, um, and it's a gift, just like marriage is a gift. And the other thing about sanctification that I thought was interesting was like, that is God's grace. Sanctification mm-hmm. is God's grace. And so, yes, we are to be obedient in that, but it's not something we can really force. And I liked that a lot. And that doesn't necessarily play into marriage, but that's just a little extra nugget there. Like, (laughs) like I I thought that was really interesting because with our whole premise of this podcast growing in biblical literacy and theology, I think sometimes we can get so focused on the task at hand and like want to be down the road. Mm -hmm. And actually I read in a book where, someone was talking about like they were yearning for those gray hairs, Mm -hmm. you know, to kind of be on the other side of things, to have this wisdom, to, you know, be, be further in their, um, in their walk with the Lord. But I think that it's important to remember that like we are where God has us now Mm -hmm. and that sanctification is by his grace and we need to just kind of revel in in where we are Mm -hmm. now and enjoy the journey, so to speak, because, um, yeah, that, I mean, it's all in his timing and not in ours. So I think sometimes we can, we can focus on, on the process and forget about, like where we are right now and mm-hmm. kind of enjoy that spot. So even in those tough times, like, cause I look back, I look back on my marriage, putting it in the context of marriage. I look back and like, there were times in our marriage seasons that were hard. And sometimes I think, I wish I could go back to just mm-hmm. a moment of that because mm-hmm. looking back, those really were sweet times because the Lord was working. Yeah, He was working through those conversations and those tender moments mm-hmm. and those, those, 
you know, times that we would cry together or yeah. yell at each other, which is not good. Yelling is not good. <laughs> but <laughs> but the Lord worked through those times. Mm-hmm. And looking back, they were such sweet, like, milestones mm-hmm. in our relationship and even in our faith walk. Yeah, yeah. So, so as, as I was studying up um, for this episode, I thought something was really, really cool. So I mentioned that I've been to several of Matt Chandler's like, well, I've, we've only been to one Mingling of Souls conference, but Two. we did one here at the church. I didn't go to that one. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but we did watch all of the sermons mm-hmm. like online in our life group. So you've been, you've done a lot. Oh yeah. <laughs> love for Matt Chandler runs deep. <laughs> it's almost up there with my love for marriage. <laughs> almost. <laughs> so we... I've done several, several of the things. And so as I was reading Mingling of Souls the other day, I was like, oh, you know, this is all going to be stuff I already heard. And for the most part, I know it is. It's stuff that I heard at the conferences that I heard in his sermons. But I thought something was really, really cool. The fact that I have been so immersed just recently and in the past year in scripture Mm -hmm. And learning about what the gospel truly means for my life and about God's covenant with his people and just all of it. It made everything that Matt was saying in this book, everything that he was referring back to scripture, it just put it on a whole different level. Mm -hmm. It made marriage seem that much more sacred. Mm -hmm. And I was just like almost brought to tears because I was like, this is it. Like, this is why biblical literacy is so important. Mm -hmm. This is why we're doing this podcast. Like we, we want other people to hunger for scripture and you'll see it in all aspects of your life. I mean, who would think that reading Leviticus Mm -hmm. would make me have a deeper understanding of my marriage, Mm -hmm. but it does because this whole, the whole narrative of the Bible fits together and impacts our everyday life. Mm -hmm. And so I just thought that was really cool. That was something that I wasn't expecting to come from studying marriage. Mm -hmm. Um, Just again, that appreciation for knowing scripture and knowing the Bible. This has been a really fun episode, Um, just getting a chance to share our hearts about marriage and um, define it, give us a real clear picture of what God intends it to be and the purpose of it. And we hope that um, next week you'll come back and listen to a really fun episode. We're going to do something we've never done on here before. We're going to have both our husbands on. Boys on our podcast. Oh my goodness. <laughs> it's going to be really fun. And we're going to kind of hear um, their perspective on some things. And then we also are going to dig a little bit deeper and talk about what specifically are our roles um, within marriage. So we got some good stuff coming for you. And we always like to end with um, some scripture. So um, we are going to end today with Mark in Mark 10. And just to set a little bit of context, the Pharisees in this passage are trying to trap Jesus and ask him questions to try to get him to um, either lie or go against the law or just trying to trap him in their questions. And they're asking him about marriage and divorce and, and all of that. And I love um, how he responds. So he says, and um, we'll start in verse six, where he says, But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh, which he's actually quoting back to Genesis there. And then he goes on to say, 
So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. If you've enjoyed this episode, please feel free to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. And most importantly, share with a friend. The beautiful music that you've heard on this episode today is by the incredibly talented Katie Cox.